When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Okay, welcome to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar here at the State Fair, a very wet State Fair, but still many people here. And if you're walking by us and getting wet, go over and get a poncho, a Score North poncho. It's free advertising for us, and it keeps you not wet. Uh, Today, very special guests on the show. We have not one, but we have two journeyman quarterbacks today. We have Sage Rosenfels in person, and also former Minnesota Viking Brooks Bollinger and New York Jet. And anything else? Dallas Cowboy. Dallas Cowboy, and there's one more. Detroit Lion. Detroit Lion. Brooks Bollinger. How Florida are, Tusker, too. Florida know, Tusker. How, how, are you, uh, how are you fellas doing here at uh, this wet day in the fair? Wonderful. It's a beautiful day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, uh, you know, my brother, his least favorite word is it's moist oh yeah yeah and today is i would say some, it's more than some, moist some people don't really like that word it's a terrible I, I, word i don't know why i think oozing is, is worse <laughs> than moist but uh today it's basically oozing today well we're off to a really great start uh, guys um so I, lots to talk with you guys about i've got some journeyman trivia where i have five resumes for journeyman quarterbacks uh basically like one line and then you guys have to guess and it's all people that you played with and that's going to come up a little later but i want to start the show with you two um and a topic of which you would have quite a bit of experience which is andrew luck deciding to walk away from the nfl and just following along on twitter most ex nfl players that i've seen talk about this andrew luck situation say hey, look, man, it's your life, and it's really hard to battle through those types of injuries, and everybody across the board seems to respect his decision. But, of course, the fans in Indy not happy, and some media people taking the opportunity to turn up the heat on the takes about uh, Andrew Luck. So I'd love if you guys gave me your perspective just on on what came about with Luck, how he retired, and, and that decision. Well, people love to have opinions about what professional athletes should do, how they live their lives, because they think they know, you know, you should be throwing the ball to this guy more. Therefore, I should be telling you how you live your life more. So, uh, yeah, I think for the most part, people, media included, were very supportive of Andrew Luck and his decision. I think it's like a nine to one, you know, type of ratio. I don't think there's that many people out there that are, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, 
calling out Andrew Luck for retiring or quitting, uh, but there are a few. Uh, you know, Dan Dockich uh, was one. Uh, Doug Gottlieb was another. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm surprised Skip Bayless didn't throw his name in the hat just to be controversial. And, and listen, we, we live in this country where sort to each their own. And, you know, Andrew Luck quitting football has no effect on my life whatsoever. Even if I was a Colts fan, at the end of the day, people get to do what they want to do. Uh, you know, he, people are, like, comparing it to, you know, their parents who are a teacher or they're a coal miner and, you know, whatever. And they never quit. But it's like, well, they also could have if they wanted to. And they also probably didn't have $50, 60000000 million in the bank, right? So football is a very, very violent sport. Um much less if you could tell a baseball player or a golfer you shouldn't retire. Like everyone gets to do it th- their own deal. And, and to tell a football player that they have to play longer for you, whether it's Barry Sanders or Gail Sayers way back in the day or now Andrew Luck, uh, to me sort of blows my mind. It, it's like calling out a boxer who decides to retire young. Like, you know, it's a brutal sport. You get in there and go hit your head in and all those things. It's, it's not fun rehabbing. It's not fun being injured. Uh, it's not fun feeling your body sort of fall apart, which I start to feel a little bit as I get now into my 40s. So uh, to each their own, and, and congratulations, Andrew Luck, on a wonderful career. And maybe he does decide to come back somewhere down the line. Yeah, I, I agree. I think one thing that's interesting is people look at athletes different, I think, because of the amount of money he's made mm-hmm. and just saying, like, you should be you should be happy. You should be able to put up with this because you have this. If I had that much money, if I had what you had, it would be easy. But there's a lot he's gone through, a lot he's dealt with, and, and it's it, within his right to to shut it down, just like it would be for anybody else. And, and like you said, I, I think the one thing is it's a shame. He's a talented guy. Yeah, I think fun he, to watch. He could have done a lot of great things. And, and, and the reason I think most people, it's not like he was out there as slappy his whole career, right? I mean, here's a guy who clearly – Gave everything he had, probably to a fault, mm-hmm. right? Like, Andrew should have taken a little bit of the Eli Manning playbook, maybe, and protected himself a little bit more. But, I mean, for a number of years there, he was deep seven-step drop, standing back there three times, th- padding three times, throwing the laser beam. I because blame, he could. I blame a little bit of the previous coordinators that he had. Yep, he absolutely. did not have coaches yeah. that protected him. I don't remember the, the coordinator's name. I believe he came from college. Uh, and is what Brooks said. Pat a lot Hamilton. Of, yeah, a lot of seven-step drops, holding the ball in the pocket. You know, they T. didn't y. have a great offensive line. No, and and, and T. Y. Hilton was you know trying to get him big plays down the field because he's so fast, and so he's holding on to the ball. And sometimes that stuff worked out, and and other times it didn't. And he really did get beat up more, I would say, than your average quarterback. But you know, I, I, there's a guy that I know, and I live in Omaha, Nebraska. But there's a guy that I know who quit his corporate job. Mm-hmm. And now, like, runs a yoga studio, right? Just sort of made that decision. He yeah. was no longer going to sort of try to climb the corporate ladder, had, had a very successful job. His wife is a corporate person and uh, decided to do that. And it's like to each their own. That's what he decided to do. Uh, the difference is, you know, Andrew Luck, I get to watch him, or he was on my fantasy team, or I'm a Colts fan. I would hope he help us win. And now it's not the case, but uh, I got a feeling this is a non-easy decision for him to make. He decided to make it. I think uh, it's it's sort of luna- it's lunacy for somebody else to uh, second guess somebody else's uh, decision, in particular on a, a sport as violent as football. So we know the physical strain that he went through. I mean, he had the lacerated kidney, he had the shoulder surgery. I mean, it's a, it's like those graphics that 
Phil show on TV where they got little lines that point to each thing that's wrong with the guy's body. He had them all over the place. Um, even just by the age of 29, in an era where quarterbacks are playing longer, he took a lot of injuries along the way. But the interesting part to me was the mental part of dealing with those injuries along with the pressure of being an NFL player. And that's something that you guys know that I don't. And and I guess I would like to hear you discuss it because, to me, uh, being in the locker room all the time, I feel like you get the sense of just how much pressure there is. If you're a star player, there's pressure to be great. If you're not a star player, there's pressure to put food on your family table by keeping a job and I, I think it can get really really overwhelming for a lot of players well I, I think I think we have the wrong guests on this show today because you know <laughs> you really want to talk about guys who you know felt the pressure of being healthy for a 16 game schedule you know year after year after year or decade after decade Brooks and I are not those two guys I mean paper, you know? paper cuts holding the clipboard though I mean there's well, a, well just holding on to that job though I mean yeah, you, yeah. It's, a, it's a different stress it's, it's different not coming back from what I'm trying to say is we didn't come back from injuries no. or had to deal with constant punishment I had you know some injuries when I would play some three four five game stretches and deal with some things but um, you know, not major surgery type deals. Labrum tears are terrible, uh, and he dealt with that last year. Uh, and it's not easy to – I have been an IR one time. I broke my wrist. I was holding a field goal, went down, made the tackle on like an end-of-the-half 60-yarder. It's, it's uh, a good way to do it, though. If you're going to get hurt, making a tackle is – Made a tackle, that's and that, that's a whole other story. But to end up breaking my – and it was like a thick – so it was about five weeks left. It was like Thanksgiving weekend. And it sucked being on IR. I mean, it just was a, I don't know, it's, it's like, like you were. You're like a ghost. Yeah, it was a strange uh, deal, and you're not out there, and you're not, you know, you're, you're, you're on the team, but it doesn't feel like you're on the team. And uh, it's not like a woe is me thing. It's just like it, you have a lot more time to contemplate a lot of things, too. And he's a lot of time to, to think about his life and what he wants to do. He's got enough money to do whatever he wants. And I tell you what, you, you get you play football, you make enough money to literally do whatever you want. I, I think that's a pretty dang successful career. Mm-hmm. I don't think, but I don't think the pressure for him was, I don't think the, having all that money and him having financial independence mattered to him. Obviously it matters to him and his family, but I think the pressure he felt was the one you didn't mention was this franchise is kind of betting on him. Yeah. Right? Like, like these guys are looking at him going, it's you. Like you have to do this for us and especially with Peyton that came before him mm-hmm. and I think every time you get hurt and every time you miss time and every time you fall further and further behind kind of the pace uh, I think it just and that's probably where them. the backlash is yeah. is the fact that everyone goes hey we're you know we got a really good team they, they yeah. were one of the best turnaround teams last year Frank Wright did an incredible job uh, and he started off the year sort of I mean he, you could his arm strength was not there for the first couple of games of the yeah. year last year and it got better as the season went on but uh, yeah that everyone was banking on him yeah. like you know hey we get Andrew back healthy and then he got this other mysterious injury I mean who knows how many injuries he's actually had mm-hmm. these are just the ones that have shown up you know on you know medical things for the game I mean right. believe me, I mean I probably had five injuries for every one I actually announced to my training staff mm-hmm. you know I you sprained an ankle in practice I'm not going to tell anybody you know right. Right. Uh, unless I absolutely have to and so who knows how many injuries he had in high school and college uh, and in his what seven eight eight year NFL career something like that so um, yeah tough deal because he's fun to watch and you know I, I when he's healthy he's a top probably seven eight quarterback in the nfl were you guys offended by the fact that fans booed him or not surprised or what was your reaction not i mean there's not much that surprised me as far as fans um go and and like there's i think there's so many opinions now there's so much information out there everybody feels so in i mean i think that's where they they look at athletes different right like you're i kind of 
you know, you're supposed to do this for me. Yeah. And, and there's kind of that feeling, which is fine. I don't know if that's right, wrong, or indifferent, but it doesn't surprise me, that's for sure. Because you spend all day on Twitter, and, you know, all of a sudden it's just like, no, you're, you're letting me down. Mm-hmm. Well, I think for fans a lot of times, uh, and the NFL has created this with great marketing, mm-hmm. great games, great advertising, all these things that it's personal to them. You know, if, if you're uh, a Minnesota Vikings fan uh, or a Pittsburgh Steelers fan or an Indianapolis Colts fan, um, everyone has jerseys now. Everyone's, yeah. you know, uh, put, it's an investment. You mm-hmm. know, it's, tickets are, are, not, are, not, uh, are not cheap. And so it's personal to them mm-hmm. when really it should be, you know, I, I would think less personal, just entertainment and, hey, you know, it didn't work out and we move on to the next person. But it is personal. Uh, but that's the passion of NFL fans. And mm-hmm. so... Uh, as Brooks said, like nothing really surprises me with NFL fans, and that's not a that's not a, a knock on them. That people are hardcore, and people lose their minds when their team doesn't make the playoffs, or they get mm-hmm. depressed after they lose games. In college football, too. I mean, I said so I live in Omaha. I first moved there. It was a I remember it was a Saturday night. Uh, I, w- I went downtown, uh, hung out with a couple friends, and it was like eight o'clock. It was a beautiful night, seventy five degrees. It's early September. And it, it was a ghost town, and I'm like, well, you know, I, I figured the weekends, this place is pretty busy down here in the old market in Omaha, Nebraska, especially a night like tonight, and people are like, no, 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 the Huskers lost today. And I was like, well, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> so you can't go out for a couple of drinks or for dinner after the Huskers? No, you don't. People yeah. go home, and they, you know, they, they go on chat rooms, and they yell at, uh, you know, blame the head coach <laughs> and try to get him fired, you know. So, uh, you know, people are very, very passionate about football, but that's I think that's what the, the fans that booed. Well, uh, I've said that to people who are big Vikings fans who say, man, you get to cover the team, you're doing my dream job. Like, well, not exactly. If you're emotionally invested, you'd probably want to punch one of the guys after they, you know, fumble a, uh, you know, a punt or miss a field goal or something else. Like, there's if you can't take the emotion out of it, then you end up doing things that aren't rational, which booing Andrew Luck is not rational at all because of how much he's given to your franchise. Like you said, the setup was not always great for him, and here he would just go out and win 11 or 12 games every single year. Yeah. And I guess before we wrap up just the Andrew Luck conversation and take a break here, just tell me what you guys see when you watch Andrew Luck, because from my lesser-trained eye... I just I thought he was a find a way to win guy no matter what. Like yeah. even when he, he might have one touchdown, two picks, the fantasy people will be all mad at him or whatever. But he was able to make a great throw into a tight window at any time. He'd make an athletic play and escape the pocket and run for a first down. He'd hang in and take a big hit. And to me, that's how I will remember him, assuming he doesn't make a comeback, is just that that guy was a winner for that franchise. And considering the pressure that it must be to replace Peyton Manning, I can't even imagine that. And to just come in and win without the best team all the time. I mean, I I was just always impressed with him. I I think that guy is, to be honest, I think he's a warrior. And uh, and he decided enough's enough, and that is the way he played. In some ways, he was sort of like Favre, where he was going to go out there and continue to try to fight for his football team. There was a great clip I saw on Twitter this morning. It's he and Chuck Pagano. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm guessing it's three or four years ago. And they're obviously getting beat badly by somebody, you know, three, four touchdowns late in the game. It's mid to late season, and, 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 and Andrew is talking about, you know, hey, leave me in. I don't want to come out. This is not the way I sort of want to finish this game. I'll protect myself. I'll throw the ball away. I'm not going to take hits. And Pagano has to convince him by saying, listen, we need you. What's the best decision for this football team? Basically, I have to take you out because we got a division game next week, and we're in the hunt. And the only thing that, that could happen bad is, is him getting hurt. And here's Luck trying to go back in. 
you know, just to keep fighting with his brothers out there. And uh, to me, that showed, you know, how much heart he does have. And uh, it's no one else's decision to, to retire except for that actual, actual individual. And my, my uh, deal is hats off to Andrew Luck. Yeah, I, I second all that. I think sometimes your greatest strength is also your greatest curse. And I think that happened to him a little bit because mm-hmm. when you say, what do you think of him, that's exactly the image that comes to my mind is there was never a question in my mind, nor there should be anybody else's, that he was 100% committed mm-hmm. To being a part of that team, to doing anything he could, big or small, for his team to win football games. And I appreciate that. I think it's a little bit of a throwback. I also think it's probably what got him in a little bit of trouble sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, um, But I couldn't have more respect for him uh, as somebody that played the position. And on top of it all, you know, he could throw it. I mean, he could throw, really throw, throw it. Really throw it. Strong, strong athlete. You know, he sure might. Carson Wentz. They similar. I mean, Carson yeah, takes some bodies, hits. Yeah. Big bo- big athletes uh, can mm-hmm. run, and they will run, and that's sometimes you get, take more hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how Carson got hit a couple or hurt a couple of years ago with his ACL. So, you know, that could be a similar type of quarterback that's younger that is going to take a lot of hits over the course of the next you know five or six or seven years. You know, by the way, remember Jake Locker? Oh yeah. Yeah, he, reti- he retired at like 25 or 26 because he had so many injuries. First-round draft pick. Yep, uh, Tennessee. I, I think number eight to Tennessee. Yeah. I think played two, maybe three years, two years, and he shut it down. Yep. And people didn't really say much, you know, oh, that well, he was a bust or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. He didn't owe anybody anything. Yeah. So, it's you know, it's, it's just the fact that Andrew Luck was so good. Right. Uh, is that, uh, is why people, I think, were upset. Now, I will say this. Pretty pretty cool deal that the, that the Colts decided to like basically leave all that signing bonus money yeah. and stuff they could have gotten back. My guess is to possibly leave that door open mm-hmm. a year, two years, right. three years. Those things do heal up, and you know uh, he still would be in his prime. Well, what what, what do you put the odds at right now? Like that that he's back at some point. Like do you? Because I think there's a I mean, decent Jason Witten just came back for like a year 72. Oh, I mean, how about I Randall think, Cunningham? Yeah. So, I, you know, I don't know. I think it's 50-50. I, I, I don't disagree. I mean, I think you put the line at 50-50, I think you'd get pretty good. Yeah. 50-50 uh, within two years. But once he goes to like that third year mark, he obviously enjoys life outside of football, and I don't think he's coming back. One so. more point on him and just something that impressed me that I didn't really realize uh, until now more things have come out. When T.Y. Hilton put out a message on Instagram, Twitter, whatever it was, and just said that he was crying every time he thought about it, and it's his best friend you know, retiring here and how much he cares about him. Forging that type of relationship with your teammates as a star quarterback, generational talent, seems like virtually impossible. Well, you played behind Favre, Sage, and he seemed like a guy who could do it. But how rare is that? I mean, to me, because it's like Rodgers is sort of above the team and guys like that often are. But, uh, I mean, it didn't seem like luck came across that way at all. No, I think, listen, the guy still has a flip phone. (laughs) All right? You know, he doesn't even have a smartphone, so he's not sitting there on Twitter. He's not an attention seeker. Uh, you know, he feels very honest, like in his press conferences. He's almost, uh, you know, he's almost like a nerd athlete, which you don't get that yeah. combination, yeah. you know, very often. He's extremely authentic. I think hats off to his parents of how he was raised. Um, and it's how he played the game. It's how he worked. You know, he's, I think he always had that professional athlete, uh, you know, sort of mentality mm-hmm. that helped him, whether it's at Stanford or in the NFL, of like, you know, this is the best way to go. And, I, yeah, I, yeah I, I can definitely see why his teammates loved him. And part of that was, Going back to that Chuck Pagano uh, clip of him wanting to play at the end of a yeah. football game, yep. players love that. And so if he was the, that way 
in the middle of the season, how, you know, he probably was similar during training camp or that whole thing as you said, sort of the anti-Rogers. He is a he, he never probably treated anybody different. Uh, you know, one through fifty-three, they're all his teammates. Well, and I think that goes speaks to a few things. Number one is he was always really talented. Number two, he's around it from a young age. Mm-hmm. So what I, what I think that gave him was that true, authentic confidence, right? Mm-hmm. Like he was so secure with who he was because it's a vulnerable spot to be in. I mean, you yeah. know it. Like you're the guy. And all of a sudden, you're getting pinged, and, and, and what happens? Guys just kind of remove themselves from it because it's different. I mean, you're the quarterback. It's just a different deal a little bit where, you know, the 80-year-old woman in the 50th row knows when the quarterback shows up. <laughs> and even if he didn't, she's going to blame him. There's no other position like that. So I think you need a guy that's special that can kind of go the other way, and I think that's why it doesn't happen very often. That is former Viking, etc. Brooks Bollinger, and uh, also former Viking, etc. Sage Rosenfels, journeyman quarterback day at the State Fair. If you, for some reason, are coming out here where it's very wet, there are a lot of people here. Uh, come by, get a poncho, say hi to some journeyman quarterbacks, and uh, a little later in the show we'll have some journeyman trivia for you guys. When we come back, I want to get your perspective on what it means to be QB2 because there has been a raging debate about QB2 and QB3 here with the Vikings throughout training camp. So we will discuss that when we return. You are listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. All right, back here at the Minnesota State Fair, one journeyman quarterback is on the phone. The other one ran off to get cookies. I mean, this is just great. (laughs) It's the State Fair. What do you expect? Here's my theory about the uh, journeyman quarterback, Sage. Put your headphones back on. Get off the phone. I didn't run off to get cookies. I had to make a phone call. That is Brooks Bollinger literally is running over here with a pink umbrella with cookies in his hands. He was sitting here in the break, and he saw the cookie thing and went, wait. Can I go get some of those? Like, yeah, I, I guess so. And we'll just keep talking football when he returns. So he's it's, making it's a, the pink umbrella is a good look for him, though. It is. It is. You know what that is? That's no ego. And to be a journeyman quarterback, you got to have you got to have no ego. You right? know, people like, don't understand. Uh, <laughs> and that's what you know. We're going wonderful, back. wonderful. Oh, Thank those. you. Going back to Andrew Luck is I don't think he had this big ego. Yeah, I, you know, yeah, yeah. and I think that was probably very refreshing. Uh, to guys like T.Y. Hilton and these other guys in the team that, like, here is our starting quarterback making $25 million a year without this huge ego that a lot of premier quarterbacks have. See, I said if I was writing up the scouting report, I'd write, the guy has a pink umbrella, which means he's not not insecure. He's got no ego. He's not insecure. Once you get, like, your third or fourth kid, you just just get rid of that. I just want to be dry, you know? Whatever's in the car. So uh, here's something that uh, has been driving me a little bit crazy. Um, after some decent performances against third stringers, um, and I say decent, but he's been he's been very good in terms of the numbers that he's put up. Kyle Sloter has created an internet fervor of fans who desperately want Kyle Sloter to be the number two quarterback. And what's been hard to get across from me talking with coaches and so forth is, look, Sean Mannion is very, very smart. 
He's experienced. He worked with Sean McVay. Sean McVay doesn't pick jokers as his backup quarterbacks, I'm sure. And having spoken to Sean Mannion, he's an extremely bright guy who can break down pretty much anything. He knows the offense. He can help Kirk Cousins. He can help with the the, the practice team and everything throughout the week. And it's hard to explain that that's kind of what you need to do is the backup versus the number three. So tell me what it means, though, guys, because you've been through this. When you got the number two, the number three, and one guy's playing better than the other in preseason, how much is that factored in to who has what job? It depends, right? Every situation is different. And, and like you said, I think I don't think preseason games really end up mattering all that much in most situations uh i think especially like the fourth one you know yeah you, you, as far as like competition as far as what the coaches really yeah. think right they, the script is kind of written and if now if you go out there as the two and you just i think you can hurt yourself more than you can help yourself mm-hmm. in the games right i think you can show that that it's too big for you or it's moving too fast but uh i think just because you pop a couple of nice games doesn't mean that all of a sudden everybody's opinion um internally has changed although it doesn't hurt you um, but I just think the situation depends. You know, I think it's it's so interesting just to me the momentum and the circumstances by which you're in, how much that affects how guys are playing as well. It just seems like, you know, you're not playing a ton of minutes anyways. You're getting a few series here and there, and those guys that kind of catch fire and have some momentum leaning their way, and they can see the two kind of struggling a little bit. It's just yeah. like all of a sudden it all falls into place, and you, you can almost just – Watch it happen back and forth. So I, I, I just think internally the body of work is going to be the body of work, and that's what's going to define, um, you know, who the, who but plays. Can you guys explain the practices though? Because I, you know, they let media out there on the sideline for training camp practices, and it's worth being there because you get to see the talent of the guys. You get to see when Stefan Diggs burns a corner, like what that looks like right up close, which I think helps you do the job, right? Understanding the speed and everything else and the size of the players and kind of how everything gets installed and all that. So it's a great experience for me, but you really see what they're evaluating and how many reps they're evaluating. So they've seen Kyle Sloter for two years now in training camp, and they're getting rep after rep after rep on a daily basis, and they're grading that probably more than they are against the Arizona Cardinals number threes, especially since I notice with these teams, when they get to the third, fourth quarter, they have two high safeties on every single play. It's like anything underneath you want, you could just have. And that's a lot of the big plays is just a little crossing route, and the guy runs for 20 more yards, and some third stringer tackles him. And it's like, well, what am I supposed to really be grading here as opposed to when they're actually calling defenses against your own offense, and then you can see how they react to those situations. So I can see why Mike Zimmer says, look, the practice is going to be more valuable for us. Well, the practice is extremely valuable, and it's not just training camp. It's all the OTAs, and, of course, you know, you see highlights sometimes times that you know with people put on twitter with a practice videos but you know there's individual there's group stuff mm-hmm. there's obviously the actual uh teamwork there's seven on seven there's all the the meetings and how people are in meetings and and uh, but at the end of the day the it's the coaching staff it's the the general manager it's all these people making this decision as to what's best for their football team to win football games mm-hmm. that's i mean this is what they're paid to do and this is what they've been all doing for a long long time we, you have to sort of rely on their decision-making, because they're around these guys 100% of the time. We just see them 5% of the time, mm-hmm. really, in, in, in these games. Now, another thing is a, a, a guy that was a third-string quarterback for much of the beginning of my career is that the number two spot 
uh, as far as these preseason games, that second and third quarter, mm-hmm. playing against a lot of other number twos and some threes filtering, sometimes an occasional one actually will be playing with the twos also. The game is faster. The game is more complex. You do see more variety. Mm-hmm. The third string guys, and again, I did it for a long time, and that's that allowed me, you know, one, years one, two, three, and four, uh, actually, in five, I was the third-string quarterback the entire time until my fifth year of the regular season. I, w- I was moved to number two. Which, by the way, makes him the GOAT, which we'll talk about later. But that is, that is the GOAT. <laughs> well, that, that doesn't happen anymore. People don't have third-string quarterbacks There's no better career that anybody's so ever like had. So, like, Sloter is earning himself a job. Yeah. Right? Where if he plays so well, they can't put him on the practice squad, maybe because somebody else will put him up. So, good, good for him, but... Going back to that, I, I will say that fourth quarter, and that's when I first started off, a lot of fourth quarter or third and fourth quarter, uh, that third string guy. So so the, the coaches and the general manager, all the scouts, they actually have sort of a deal. It's amazing these guys actually communicate, by the way, because they do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in the fourth quarter, at the end of these games, the third string guys, the fourth string guys, they don't want these young, almost all young players, mostly undrafted guys, whatever. They don't want them having to almost think too much. Mm-hmm. So they, they call cover two, cover three, cover one, right? And maybe like some sort of very simple blitz because they want to see how those guys move and react and yeah. their natural skills come yeah. out. Well, you can't do that when it's, hey, we're going to have a Sam Strong safety dog with a, some sort of zone coverage behind it, but it's going to be a trap corner. Like, the, those, these guys haven't gotten that many reps like that. Yeah. yeah. Right? And that just takes years and years of experience defensively, just like a quarterback does. And so a lot of times at the end of these games, they simplify the defense uh, more and more to allow guys just to play into the natural ability, which then makes, them, makes those things simpler for an offense. It's also, it's been helpful for Slaughter in particular this last game, is that when you're losing – yeah. When you're the third-string quarterback, you want to be losing. Yep. That is right. <laughs> get the comeback. There's nothing worse than getting put in the fourth quarter. You're up by ten because you're going to get run, run, third and eight, throw right. the yeah, football. Right. right? Because that's what coach, I'm talking about. Though that momentum and the that situation, right? It's totally. And so good. at that point, all you can do is screw up. Yeah. That's all you can do. When you're down by a touchdown or three points or a couple points like he was the other day, and the offense, I'm sure the offensive line, the O-line coach who was upset the other day, and I'm sure the coordinators weren't very happy, and Stefanski's probably getting these third-string guys because the offense hadn't done much the whole game. Like, let's finish this thing out and actually you know, play well. So you had these guys super, super motivated and good, and good, for, and good for them. But, yeah, it, it all, timing and the situation uh, has a lot to do with it. He got in a, situ- a perfect situation the other night uh, where his team was behind. They were playing bad the whole game and wanted to finish the thing right. And even the last, the last touchdown of the game, fourth and two, up by four, you kick a field goal. You don't go for it in that situation. Right. You kick a field goal up by seven. What, what do the Vikings do? They don't want to tie. They don't want to go by seven ties. So <laughs> right. they're going to go for it. They go for it right. up being a touchdown, right? So those types of things uh, you have to take into the equation as well. Yeah. Well, it used to just be a lot more simplified in the preseason in general, I, I feel like. But my first preseason game ever, we go to Tokyo, Japan, to play Tampa Bay Bucks. Right I didn't a- know that. Right after they won the Super Bowl. So in the quarterback room, it was me Chad Pennington was a starter, and then Vinny Testaverde Vinny, was yeah. Oh, my God. He's like 40. Legend. So we go over there, and Vinny's not playing. Chad's going to play one series. So, And it's prime time, and it's the whole deal. <clears throat> and we're getting on the flight over, and we're a Tampa 2 defense, Herm Edwards, right? So all I saw the entire training camp, Tampa 2, cover 3. Yeah. Maybe a strong. Pretty simple. Down. That's it. Maybe man in the red zone. That's it. So... 
I say, hey, Coach, like, looking ahead in the playbook and, like, look at all this stuff for four strong, four weak. Like, what do I what do? I do? Like, we haven't even talked about any of that stuff yet. And he goes, don't worry about it. First preseason game ain't going to happen. We go out there playing Monty Kiffin. And I don't know if Hackett pissed him off or what. <laughs> and this is Jay Gruden, which I think, or John Gruden, which I yeah. think is, I'll bring up in a minute because he did it to Cardinals earlier this year. They blitzed every play. <laughs> they were bringing strong corner in three by one. Oh, there you go. Field corner. Oh. Double safeties. All right. The whole deal. <laughs> Getting hit in the side of the head. I'm going, Coach, what the hell? <laughs> what what you, you set me up or what? Well, that's another thing is guys we barely prepare. Yeah, like yeah, coaches. Yeah. And it, and it's, I hate it as a quarterback. I was like, listen, I don't want to go to a game. Like, I want to have a game plan and us young guys working on it and whatever. You rarely prepare. Sometimes you watch some film on one day for like a half an hour. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and all of a sudden like, they come we'll up. Just, yeah. we'll just go off our, yeah, yeah, we'll just go off our our basic rules. Yeah. It's like you know, so the no game planning thing isn't to help either. And, and uh, it should, it, but it should. To my my point is is like you, the point of the game is not to out scheme each other. They should. It should be more simplified even than it is, in my opinion. Maybe it's old-fashioned, but it's like, just let the guys play. It sounds like Gruden, by the way, had the – so Nick Saban had that when I was with him in 2005 in Miami where he blitzed almost every play in the preseason because he wanted to throw so much out there that then when we played the Broncos week one, we literally played cover four basically almost the whole game. Hmm. But he put so much on tape. And I remember talking to the the, that Broncos staff a couple years later because that was when I was in Houston, Mm -hmm. and we had Kyle Shanahan, and well, he wasn't on the staff. I was like Mike McDaniel, who was like a quality control, and they were like, "Man, we prepared for so much for that opening game last year because you guys are blitzing all over the place, and you know that that almost like wore them down during the week, and Mm -hmm. then we just lined up there and and, and kicked their tails in. So, and uh, that's how stupid coaches are. And I was one, okay, (laughs) but like, so, so now. They know that they're not going to do all that stuff in the regular season. Yeah. Right? Like, and, and, and these guys know they're just throwing it out there to, to make them miserable. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like in high school. You do the extra point, you run guys Some over. Some coach has to d- draw, by the way, all these blitzes in place. Right. Oh, really? And then, like, what well, if we see that Some coach, you're protected. Right here. Yes. <laughs> the young guy in the staff has to sit there and break all this stuff down mm. where it would be nice if it was like, yep, cover three, cover two. Really simple. <laughs> you know? Uh I, sorry, did you have one more? Well, point? I'm yeah. just saying there's a, like there's like a physical thing in their DNA, like an insecurity that's like I know this isn't going to happen. But oh yeah. If I don't prepare for it, yeah, I'm going like, to look like an idiot. So we wait. Coaches to, are insecure, and, and, that's, uh, <laughs> and that's why Mike Zimmer literally has a bed in his office so he can be up preparing until two in the morning and get up at five. Uh, Sage Rose. If I had a bed in my office, it would just be for like new naps. It would be for like actual like post six o'clock. Hey, there's science behind the nap. Uh, I highly support. Well, you that. know, yeah, I just yeah. want to have better. Quality quality when I'm working, you know. <laughs> Sage Rosenfels and Brooke Bollinger here. Um, Brooks, so tell me about when you are in that quarterback room and what you contribute when you're not the starter, because I think this is hugely valuable. This is why you have Sean Hill when Teddy Bridgewater is there, right? I mean, it's a guy who's been through it and who knows a lot of things. Um, so explain what that's like on a weekly basis and what you sort of contribute when you know you're not going to be the guy. Well, there's obviously... A lot on that spectrum, right? So the first thing is when you're the third guy and you're the young guy, you do what I just did. You run over there and get the cookies, right? <laughs> you get the donuts. You get the sandwiches. We're coming up on commercial soon, by the way. I want to get uh, Yes, very soon. Uh, yeah, I didn't time that up very well. But but so you kind of got that spectrum. And I think what that's an important room, right? I mean, that, that, that's like a 
I don't even know. I mean, that's a brotherhood. There's, there's chemistry actually matters in oh, that room. Yeah, a lot yeah. of therapy, a lot of stuff that just kind of naturally bonds you together. Um, and you, you kind of need a, you need a wise, you need a wise veteran. You need a calming force. You need somebody that keeps it light. And it can come from, I think, any of the three or four guys in the room. Um, so I, I think, you know, the good ones can can go into that room and sense, okay, what does the guy need, right? And if that guy goes down, and this guy's the guy, what does he need? Because it, it, it's not, it's not a uh, static thing. It's a living, breathing kind of organism throughout the year. And every team I was on, unlike Sage, right? Sage got to sit there for five years and be the third string. Okay, that, that is the best. Wow. It was uh, really four Journeyman jealousy five, right five here. Pre-se- five five preseason. Oh, it's, no, it's, it's unbelievable. But, but you know, usually. <laughs> hey, you know, thanks, Rick Spielman. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Rick, for the patience. Yeah. I appreciate it. And, but I, and you but were I was, good. The thing was, I was always behind these veterans. You yeah. know, guys that you know, Brian Grease, but guys that had been in the league for you know six, seven, eight, nine years, and and you know, I was like just sort of this this raw, you know, uh, young guy who has potential, I guess. But I would play well, like Sloter, in the preseason. No. If I if I didn't, I wasn't a very good practice player early. By the way, mm-hmm. that took a while for me. I wasn't a natural thrower. I didn't le- understand a lot about offense and defense early on. You know, the NFL game was a really big jump for me. I ran some option at Iowa State. We, mm-hmm. I threw for 52% my senior year mm-hmm. when we went to a bowl game, and I hand the ball off all the time to these great running backs, and, and, and that's just sort of how we won. If anyone knows that, it's Brooks Bollinger who went to Wisconsin. Yeah. Like we, we, that was we, my whole career. You we, just like, summarized it. we love handing the ball off, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we love. So, um, yeah, there is this, it, you know, I was going to be one of those who that took some time. And maybe Sloter ends up being that. Yeah. It, 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 but things take time to really understand the game and practice better because these coaches go so much off of what they see every single day. Mm-hmm. And going back to the beginning of the conversation, this is what the, you know, whether it's Stefanski or uh, the Kubiaks. Uh, they see every single day, and we sort of have to just have you know faith and trust in them. And they could be wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, Sean Manning could play this year, not play very well, and they decide to make a change because you know we've, they've gone zero and three with the number two guy, and mm-hmm. Slater comes in, lights it up, and he's Kurt Warner. You never know, right? Um, but you have to sort of go off of these people that have been doing this for a really, really long time, who have a huge, really, their only incentive is mm-hmm. to find the right guy that's going to help them win football games. Part of the uh, journeyman criteria, Brooks, is that you have to have a shining moment. Like, you have to win a game. You have to have a, a really good surprise game. Like, last year, M- Matt Barkley <laughs> Matt Barkley got his first, like, win, a really good win or something, and it was his shining moment. His shining so moment was he, he was on Sports Illustrated he, when he was 8, 17 but, years yeah. old. But he, but he <laughs> so officially all. sort of became that. Like, he's on uh, multiple teams, and he was with Chicago. How long has he played, else? by the way? Uh, Brooks threw for 300 yards. Brooks threw for 300 I, yards. I know that. Uh, if you get and who, who came in the great? Who came in the game and beat me? Sage. Does that really happen? That's yeah. a true story. We played against each other. <laughs> we both came in. Oh, I that started is, and amazing. you came in. For I believe Gus. I, I came. Gus got hurt. I, I believe I came in at halftime. Uh, it was was it 10 to 10? Oh, with the Jets. The Jets game. 10 to 10 yeah. with the Jets. Yeah. And I Jets, yeah. I think I uh, we had a so here's a classic. I, we had a rollout and it was like a flat. And it was a corner, all right? Because Brooke, this is actually on Brooke. This is the Jet sideline, too. So I'm, I'm sure he has. This. I brought this up to him. I'm sure he thought it was one of the great. Yeah, he brought this up to me not long ago. And he goes, that was an amazing throw. And it all, <laughs> this whole thing is by accident. So I'm running to my right. And I got Marty Booker on a corn route. They doubled the flat guy, left the guy open. And I throw it deep. Now the wind is going from right to left. So the wind, no, no, it's in, in Miami. Oh, in Miami. It, it was okay. actually windy a lot of times in, in Dolphin mm-hmm. Stadium or wherever they call it down there. So. 
the wind sort of, I'm trying to throw a corner out, and the wind's bringing it back sort of into the field of play, mm-hmm. right? More like vertical down the field. The free safety sees that no one's covering Marty Booker mm-hmm. on the corner route and is sprinting over there straight towards the sidelines and actually ends up undercutting it. Well, the wind brings it back in, and it was almost like a corner and go, if you can imagine that. And he caught it over his left shoulder and ran for a touchdown. And Brooks like, man, that was an amazing throw. And I was like, it was totally by him. It was a good throw. Probably got picked. Amazing play by him, though. Amazing play by Marty Booker, yeah. Yeah, so who had the strongest arm on a football team was the uh, was actually our wide receiver, Marty Booker. So, so that was the most yards I ever th- threw for. Um, my, probably my shining moment here was that I came in, Tavares got knocked out cold. Um, what would that have been? 07? And uh, in the Chargers game when Adrian broke the, the rushing record. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I Did you hand the ball off? I hand the ball off a lot. I actually threw a touchdown pass. This is like a Wisconsin. Like, I can do this. That's what I'm good at. <laughs> Bunch of record breakers. Uh, but we had a preseason game. It was actually um, the third preseason game. You guys Google this. You look it up. They call it the Bollinger Bowl. I think still to this day. <laughs> it's the Jets versus the Eagles. I came in. They had just traded for Quincy Carter. I didn't even think I was going to play. We were down by like 18 with like five minutes and 25 seconds left. I come in the game, and we just went pew, 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 pew. It was unbelievable. Like you couldn't even make it. It was one of those ones where you're going, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> you just keep throwing it. But anyways. But that's where that momentum And that was a preseason game, which is kind of dumb, but it was one of my favorite. It was so much fun. But that was where the, there's a yep. momentum thing, and it's more in these preseason games. I don't know if it's younger guys or what, but you can just sort of sing it, see it sort of swing. And you saw it the other night. Like, the, the, the Vikings had like three or four runs, yeah. uh, and they were getting first downs to get the ball, and it was just boom, boom, boom. And, and Slaughter made some good throws as well. But once that thing got going, the offense goes, "Hey, we can do this. Let's just execute." You know, you know, playing and play out, and you know, going down and scoring a touchdown, and winning that game the other night. So my real shining moment, though, I play in Dallas in '08, and then they just never call me back. Right? Like I, I, <laughs> I was just kind of us picking it up, picking up what they were putting down. So. You know, you fast forward, I, I, I kind of hung around. Nobody invited me to camp. I'm, I'm just like, well, that's probably it. We'll see what happens. So I'm on mowing the lawn, and my wife comes out. She's like, somebody's calling the house phone. They call your cell phone. Like, you got to call them back. It was Jeff Horton. It was my college quarterback coach. Well, he was at Detroit. So he calls me up. He says, hey, what are you doing, man? I said, mowing the lawn. What are you doing? He's like, I'm trying to get a hold of you because uh, Dante, like, Culpepper cut his foot in the shower, and Drew Stanton's got a torn MCL. And all we got is Drew uh, Stafford going into the fourth preseason game. So I'm like, yeah. I'm like, Coach, I'm out of shape. Like, I haven't done anything in like seven months, you know. <laughs> and, and he's like, hey, man, you got to do it. You got to do it. I'm like, I don't know. I, I, think, I, I think this is it for me. And he goes, hey, we're going to call Drew Henson then. And I said, all right, I'll get on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, all right. So this is Monday night, like 3 o'clock. I'm on a plane at 7, uh, land in Detroit, go to bed, wake up. The next day, meet Scott Linhan, learn the offense, practice, fly to Buffalo, play three and a half quarters on Thursday There's Thursday Thursday Buffalo game, yes. Yeah. And uh, we won the game. I played pretty well, and that's why I went to the UFL and played a couple of years and, and tried to keep it going. But um, that was a – and I think I walked in, you know, that's kind of the deal. You're introducing yourself to guys in the huddle. They're looking at me like, what did they sign an accountant from upstairs and just throw them in the huddle? So just so you know, this, this whole story – this whole story is like the journeyman the backup journeyman life, yeah. Converse, the journeyman life. Yes. I, I was. Uh, I got a phone call at uh, at six o'clock one time, uh, and I was trade. I trade from uh, Washington to Miami. Got a call at six o'clock from Rick Spielman. 
And then uh, right after that, maybe it was right before that, was Steve Spurrier called me and said, we're going to trade you or whatever. So then Spielman calls me, sets it up. I'm on a 9 o'clock flight down to Miami. <laughs> and, uh, and I played a preseason game you know, five, six days later and, and I played on a Thursday or whatever. So that is like an experience. You know, Eli Manning's never going to have to go through right. that. Yeah. Right? Uh, you know, they get, they get the, the private jet and the whole, you know, they get a white, they get they get the 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 Escalade to yes, come and yes. uh, pick them up from the, the airport. The, uh, the Brett Favre helicopter yeah. circling over. Well, the, yeah, they get that. that. Yeah. And the other great thing about that story was the fact that you were mowing your own yard. So that's a that's a German <laughs> backup thing too. Like we, you know, I mow my own doesn't yard. Have a gardener. Or yeah, he doesn't have a, an estate where he has a gardener uh, or, or gardening Dro- crew. Sage Rosenfels, Brooks Bollinger. We got to take a quick break. Um, when we come back, now I feel like you've name dropped so many journeymen already that I'm going to have to rework the trivia questions that I had for you guys about uh, journeyman quarterbacks. So we'll see what we uh, do there. And I want you guys to break down the Vikings starter now. This whole preseason, I feel like we've spent way too much time on QB3. And uh, so in the next hour, if you're going to hang around, you got a lot of cookies to eat, Brooks, so you can hang around a little. Uh, we'll talk some about Kirk Cousins, and I see Sage's notebook is filled up here with things from the other day. Um, so we'll go through that as well. we got two journeyman quarterbacks, Sage Rosenfels, Brooks Bollinger, Matthew Collar. If you missed any of the show so far in our discussion about Andrew Luck, make sure you go to iTunes, type in Purple Daily, give us a five-star review. We'll be right back here. You're listening to Score North. 2.50, time for the Score North download here for the 2 o'clock hour of Purple Daily. Score North, we're live at the Minnesota State Fair from now until Labor Day, the Score North Twin Show at noon. Purple Daily, what you're listening to now from 2 to 4, and Mackie and Judd with Rami from 4 to 6 p.m. every weekday out at the State Fair. You can find us off Chambers Street on the left edge of the grandstand. You can check out our shows from noon to 6. You can also check out our merchandise booth from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily. Show us your Score North mobile app and you'll receive a $5 t-shirt. Also, we're donating donating all proceeds from the All Arise t-shirts to Luis Arise's favorite charity, the Ronald McDonald House. Yeah, we're back now, caller. I'm actually doing the Score North download if you want to join us. Uh, Sorry, I was eating cookies over here. (laughs) What were you talking about? Uh, just telling people where to find us. We've oh, got ponchos at our merchandise Scorenorth.com, the Scorenorth mobile app. It's free. All that's free. You can check out our merchandise booth. There's stuff that's not free there, but we will throw good stuff. a cookie at you. That's been you your Scorenorth download. Now back to There's so Daily. many of them. Those cookies are good. You know, I was just I was saying to Jonathan as we were walking over here. I said if someone buys a bucket of cookies and brings it over, then I'll eat all of them and. <laughs> I am so far. All right, we got Sage Rosenfels, Brooks Bollinger here on the show, Journeyman Day. All right, so I thought, okay, I'll be clever, and I'll make some, like, journeyman trivia for you guys for, like, quarterbacks that you played with. But then as we were talking, you named several players that you played with, and now I think this will be way too easy. So let's let's just – I'll give you the questions, and you guys can run through it really fast and be obviously great at this. Okay, so this is like a name that journeyman quarterback, okay? So our first one – would have been a rising star to some extent with the Cowboys, but he got cut because of off-the-field issues and finished his career as a New York Jet. And these are journeymen that you guys played I, with. I, is this, is this uh, who, uh, you whoever can, buzzes you, first? You can buzz in if you it's want Quincy to. Quincy Carter. It is Quincy, Quincy Carter. Carter. That is correct. That was, that was a second-round draft pick my year, 2001. All right, our next one. You can tell what an aficionado I know he, he's I know he's Well, everyone's jumping on the Michael Vick train. Of like, ooh, we want the dual-threat quarterback. That's and right. Quincy Carter was a uh, zero-threat quarterback. But he wasn't – well, I think he was a – 
Not a nice guy either. I think he also enjoyed himself some partying. I think, yes, I think that was the did. issue. He did have some substance issues. He was a baseball player. He was one of those guys that I think he played some minor league hard. baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he was a super good athlete and uh, did have a big arm, but and I'm not being a very good quarterback. So these are these are all guys that you played with, either one of you. Uh, journeyman quarterback who was a top draft pick but didn't really work out, but yet found his way to stay in the NFL until age 44 when he finished with the Carolina Panthers. Vinny Testaverde. Vinny Testaverde, yeah. Yep. Yep, that's I right. said there are not many 44-year-olds. No, not many. I, <laughs> I was thinking he finished in New England, but I guess he had that one little... I was trying to throw you off with the Panthers thing. Yeah. He, he did play a little bit with the Panthers. It's funny, uh, Vinny Testaverde, like 6'8", Doug Flutie, 5'8", <laughs> they both played until like they were 45 <laughs> years old. And uh, Vinny Testaverde, when they used to have the um, the quarterback competition in like Hawaii or whatever, where it'd be brought to you by some watch or something, and they would have the targets, and the, Vinny Testaverde dominated that thing. Greek? Like, he could throw it Super hard and accurate. Vinny's a Greek god. Like you do see him, he did, he squat like four hundred and fifty pounds in the middle of the season. Yeah, I, I, yes. Like Forty years old. I mean, he was just. They he, don't make him like that. Anymore. He could spin it too. Big strong man. <laughs> and with him, he it was, he was yeah. What was wild though is just how he would be bad for a couple years with somebody, and then okay, it's not going to work out. And then he'd go to another team and win like twelve games. Yeah. They'd be like, "What? Wait, what did they miss about Vinny Testaverde?" It's like every three or four years, and then he just. But he was playing. one of those guys, sort of like we we're talking about with Luck, that the players loved on the team. He was, mm-hmm. you know, sort of had that thing. He also played center for the Miami Heat for a number of years. I think you're thinking of Ronnie Cycle. Oh, oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I saw Vinny Testaverde when I was playing, I was, I was like, he looks like Ronnie Cycle. <laughs> well, you've got to be impressed that I got that one. I used to have some Ronnie Cycle basketball. Uh, you were way ahead uh, of me. I was kind of like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, he was, Cycle went to Syracuse, and I grew up in that sort of era, and I know exactly what you're talking about with the curly hair. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Rides a right. moped around South Beach. How about this one? Uh, a journeyman who started for four different teams, as they must, Vikings, uh, Browns, Buffalo Bills, Indian. Indianapolis Colts once threw for 429 yards in a playoff game. Unfortunately, though, that was in a losing effort. Kelly Holcomb. That's correct. Mm, That's Browns. Correct. Nailed it. Yeah. In the snow, now, by you, the way. Now, I think you'll you'll get this one. This uh, Dartmouth-trained journeyman. Jay Fiedler. Yeah, got it. He went. Uh, here was There's my, only one of those. Here, here, was, here was my fact, though. 37 and 23 win loss record in yeah. his career. Hmm. When he was, was with uh, when he was with the uh, Dolphins, when I was with them, um, you know, the, the year before I got there, they had gone like 10 and six, made the playoffs. We were nine and seven a couple times. I mean, he was one of those guys that didn't turn the ball over a lot, played pretty smart football, never threw for like 300 yards very often, but did everything and you know, leadership and all those things that that coach is all about. Sneaky athlete, like you didn't see it show up a lot. Like watching, great him, athlete. But he's a good athlete. He was a. Uh, um, Ran the decathlete. Really? Also, what is, what he, was is that? A, he was a decathlete. decathlete. Ten things. Decathlon. He was a decathlon. Oh so he did. He was a decathlete. He did ten. Uh, it was ten events or whatever at Dartmouth. I think he was an All-American. He was in the National Jewish Hall of Fame as a high schooler, college athlete, and a pro athlete. Three, all three levels. <laughs> It's nice to be good at something, which is knowing everything about every journeyman quarterback. All right, this one's for you, Brooks. Uh, This journeyman here endeared himself to Miami Dolphins fans by leading a 20-point comeback win, which was Miami's biggest since 1974. That's it. Who was that? Who was 24? Was it Sage? Yeah, it was Sage. (laughs) It was was Sage, yes. 
Thought I thought I would throw you that curveball. So there's some some fun journeymen that. Who was that again? Well, you know what though? That was that, that was, was Buffalo. Um, I remember it quite well. Thanks, Dave. That was either right that Jets game we we're talking about earlier. That was I believe right uh, before that game, like a week or two before that, or a week or two, like a week after that. Almost back to back. So Gus got hurt, yeah. and then he had to come in at the half down 23-3 to and came back and won. I feel like that was right before, maybe like the week before we played you guys. So I got sort of lucky back-to-back. And that basically that amount of action, yep. a fourth quarter of scoring three touchdowns, a half versus you guys, the Jets, got me a contract with the Houston Texans, <laughs> a four-year deal. That's all so. it takes. Uh, all right, we're going to take a quick break, and we come back. One more segment with our two journeymen here, Brooks Bollinger. Is that okay with you, like Brooks? Do you love it? Because I know he loves it. Are you like that's pretty cool? Or, or yeah, what? well, I was trying to think because are, do you just now love it because he does? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I told him right away. I'm like, I love the because the, in the NFL, different than college, you have the it's more the camaraderie and the brotherhood with the whole group, right? It's not mm-hmm. just this is my team, and because you bounce around and you you appreciate years later these weird relationships and connections that you had, um, and you get to meet a lot of a lot of ton of great people. I was just wondering what's below a journeyman because I was I was right on the borderline. I just snuck on that fourth team. Well, but, so but he has a second stint. Yeah, he's got a second stint. He's got a fourth team. He's got a shining moment. I, mean, I got a three hundred yard game. Off, you checked off all the boxes. Oh, no, no, you, you got plenty. Okay. Believe me, you're overflowing. No, you're with fine. What, what yeah. we consider, we're not and we're not that picky. Either. You know, there's there's another there's another <laughs> journeyman back. I'm here. We're not picky, despite by the nature of the but, situation. But there's another part of it too. Is if you say that journeyman's name and all fans of a team that you were with are like, oh yeah, I remember that guy. Then you're in too. Well, here's what I got going for me is like, and somebody said this to me. Pretty bluntly, uh, a friend of mine he said, "You know, you weren't even that good, but you, you, <laughs> you started every week in college. I mean, almost every week we were the noon game on ESPN. Yeah, oh, all Wisconsin the time. was right yeah. the, that 11 a.m. I guess Central time slot. Like for four years, I started there and was on every. So I just beat people over the head, right? So yeah. it's kind of a name recognition. Yeah, they're kind of like, yeah, are you?" Mark Bulger, or are you, uh, I yeah, who are you with again, the Ravens? I'm like, well, yeah, whatever. I was, I was around. Yeah, I, I was the journeyman who won the Super Bowl. Right? Yeah. Right? I didn't throw it all. Um, that's Trent, Trent Dumper. Okay, let's take a break. We'll come back. Um, I also want to look at your Wikipedia, Brooks, because that's another one of the things that we do is huh. look at journeyman Wikipedias. Uh, I, I always like about the journeyman quarterback the fact that anytime you guys talk to each other, you have so many shared experiences that it just – great stories just come out and i think it's really cool as a reporter and i'm interested in great stories that, that they're always there with journey we could have a so. segment on the fact that i just learned that you went to tokyo and two years earlier i went to osaka japan mm-hmm. and uh, then, 2002 i think so uh we both been to japan for a football game mine was in a baseball dome that's so was very weird. strange so yeah a lot of a lot of Stories just about that four or five day escapade. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about something that matters with Kirk Cousins when we return. Uh, we'll talk with these two guys and get their breakdown of what the Vikings offense can look like this year. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 